Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Celebration Church. How are we this morning? Come on, is anyone glad to be in church on Sunday morning? This is the this is the late service, so y'all are well rested, well caffeinated, and church can go three hours and we're good, right? I'm joking. I'm joking. It'll only be two, I promise. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you stand up to your feet? Um, just want to honor the Word of God this morning. Man, you look good. Hey, I love this house very much. It's been a lot of years since I've been able to be here. Uh, I am still, I'm proud to be, I think, uh, the first person to ever grace the platform of what was a cowboy church back then with black skinny jeans from Seattle. Uh, You're welcome, by the way. It was my honor to pave the way. Um, But I love this house. Um, We uh, became friends when uh, our ministry was really just getting lift off and when we took the biggest step of faith in our lives to launch our ministry that is now leading second, uh, you know, we were just, we were, we were desperate for help. We, we, we were just the only two people that saw it, was just praying someone else would see it. And this, like, blonde-haired young guy from Nampa, Idaho, DM'd me one day and said, hey, I think I could help. And um, that, was, that was your Clark. And uh, he was our first volunteer in our ministry. So he was kind of the first person outside us to raise his hand and say, you know, hey, I think we could do something. He has since edited, by the way, five years of our podcast, over 120 episodes, uh, all as a volunteer, by the way, all, all just out of the goodness of his heart. And, and I, I say that I want to honor him. And by, by the way, he could have been here today. I'm just saying. Like, I went to a church conference at the end of my honeymoon, our honeymoon. Like, he could have, Clark, if you're listening, you could have been here. Uh, but anyways, you know, heart for the house and all that. Um, but I want to honor your your pastors because, you know, all that happens because of pastors that have a kingdom spirit. That, that are willing to lend staff. That, that are already do so much here and yet say, man, but there's just a little bit more for the kingdom. It's a little bit more. And guys, we, we have been so faithful. I, I think we have um, over, over a quarter million downloads on our podcast now today. Leaders that listen, uh, you know, all over the world. Thousands and thousands of leaders each week listen here in the U.S. So just know, you know, if you are a little tiny world, if you see us out there doing something for the kingdom, would you just know, you, like, you've got seed out there all over the church. You, you've, you've, as an extension of this house, have helped so many Leaders, you funded our ministry. You may not even know that. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you for being a kingdom-minded church. Thank you for seeing beyond your four walls and believing that we could do something for the church and for the kingdom. So pastors Roger and Kim, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for leading. Thank you for doing what wasn't easy and and stepping out in faith. Thank you. Let's let's say this. Thank you for leading during a pandemic. Thank you for leading during a confusing time when it wasn't popular to lead. We honor you today. We thank you for being good shepherds over this house. Come on. We thank God for your pastors today and honor them and we love you guys. One more question for you while you're standing. Um, are you thankful for the word of God? Be thankful for these pages. Um, a lifetime in church. I've grown up in the same church my whole life in the Seattle area. And, uh, you know, a lifetime in church, I don't know how it works. But when we open up these pages and we read from them, things change. Stories are completely rewritten. People, people's purpose is ignited in them. Lives are 
restored. Physical bodies are healed. I mean, I, I don't know how it works. Um, I may not know your name today. I may not know your story. I may not know your background. I may not know what you're facing. But I know Jesus. And I know his word. And I know that his word is enough for you today. Truth is not something Jesus said. Truth is not something Jesus taught. Truth is who he is. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And today there's, there's hope for you in that, regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what you're up against today. I believe God sent me here with a word. Uh, I'm going to warn you. Um, you know, when you, when you are on the road, I'll be honest with you, you get to repeat a lot. You get really good at messages, all that kind of stuff. Uh, today's a freshie. Like, I've never talked about this before. Um, I, I, I've, I felt this on my heart for today, uh, for this service and for this moment. And I believe that if, if it's one person here today that this word is for, that would be enough. Um, but I believe that God has something for us today in his word. I believe we just need to give him room to speak, room to talk, room to move. So anyone who's with me in that, would you just lift up your hands to heaven and would you take a minute and would you go to that place that only you and the Lord have? Jesus, 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 King Jesus, we need you probably now more than ever. We need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in our families. We need the truth of your word. And so today, Jesus, we invite you into this space. We invite you into this service. We invite you into this moment, Lord. I thank you for what you do in moments like this. And right now, we just purpose in our hearts. We give you some space. Would you come and speak? Would you come and move? Would you come and reveal things about the kingdom to us? Just, would, you, would you come and have your way today? Thank you for this church. Thank you for this church you're raising up for such a time as this. May today be a good deposit, a good investment into the soil of this house. And now, Jesus, I pray that I would get out of the way. And I pray that you would have your way. Come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Celebration Church said, amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. Say hi to someone you didn't come to church with on your way down to your seat. If you see someone you'd rather sit with, now's your chance. <laughs> it's good to have my wife with me this weekend. She's not always able to uh, make it, but Lindsay, give the pastor's wife wave to everybody. This is my wife of 18 years next month. Uh, crazy enough to marry like a like a third-year youth pastor that thought we could change the world, and we're still trying to do it today. Um, God has blessed us with two amazing girls. One is 11, and if you know anything about 11-year-old girls, you know that actually means teenager. I had no idea that 11 was a teenager, uh, but the last year, no one prepared me for it. The, the, the changes, the attitude, <laughs> Come, somebody say amen. Like, you raise them in church. Man, she's so good. She loves God. But, man, would you just, if you need someone to pray and fast for, would you just sign us up today? Like, rebuke the spirit of moodiness over our household in the name of Jesus. Um, but she's great. She'd want to preach if she was here, so she stayed home today. Only one preacher in the family today. Her name is Zane. And then, um, of course, as with everybody, uh, March 2020 was like pulling an e-break on our ministry, we went from traveling about 250 days a year to staying home for seven months straight. And I don't know how it works exactly, but we got pregnant with an oops during that time. And at 40 years old, uh, we found ourselves, a decade later, by the way, we found ourselves back in baby land. And God blessed us. So we are in, we're, we're in toddler land now. Uh, God bless us with our baby glow, and, and apparently we don't like to do anything in life that's not dramatic, and so our baby decided to arrive three months early. She was born at uh, 29 weeks uh, gestation. We have a picture of her uh, to throw up from the NICU. That was her on her birthday. Um, she was born with a list of complications. She had a hole in her lung. She had a brain bleed. She had an E. coli infection, just, you know, all the all the stuff that preemies face, but God was so faithful. God was so kind. He met us in that moment. He sustained us in that moment. 
and absolutely healed her body. And uh, 51 days later, out of the NICU, uh, we went home. That is our release day from prison <laughs> of the of the NICU. Um, and this is her today, or about a couple months ago anyways. This is our baby now. Uh, she is full of life, full of smiles, healthy as a horse, no complications from that season. God gets all the glory for that. And so now this is our family of four. Uh, and that's, that's actually at our first conference event we held last year for our ministry leading second. So God is good. Amen. This morning, um, if you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. I have a word on my heart today that I believe may help someone to see what you might be missing. To see something about how God is working in your life. Maybe you don't have eyes to see it, but I pray today that by the time we leave, you'll have eyes to see how God is working and God is using your life. How many of you know we live in a culture that values now, that values the instant, that wants everything now? Um, our world is built for convenience. If we want it, we want it now. All I have to do, if I'm hungry... All I have to do is open up Uber Eats, and in 20 minutes, I can have hot Thai food that I did not cook, arriving straight at my door with zero effort, all because of the work that our Lord and Savior is doing through Uber Eats. Somebody say amen. Like, like, like it's, we want it now. If I want groceries, but I don't want to go grocery shopping, all I have to do is get on Instacart get on prime delivery. Hey, if you're if you're a Walmart pickup person like whoever you are, you don't have to grocery shop anymore in 2022. Someone will do your groceries for you uh, because we want it now. We want an instant. If I'm running late and I want coffee but I don't want to wait in the drive-through, I don't want to wait in line, I can mobile order at Starbucks and like 5 minutes later I can walk in like I own the joint and my coffee is already waiting for me. As an introvert, I don't have to talk to the barista. I don't have to talk to customers. It's awesome. All the introverts said amen in the house this morning. A mobile order. Like, I want it now. Amazon Prime. Two days. Anything on earth is yours. Through Amazon. If I want a relationship. Uh-oh. We used to, like, actually have to get to know people. We used to, like, have to break the ice and ask someone's name. I know that's, like, shocking to some of you um, in our swipe, whatever way is the good way. So my, my relationship predates social media and smartphones. And the fact that I've called it a smartphone just horrified every Gen Z person in the room this morning. So I had to look up names. Uh, I feel like this is going to fall off the stage. We're, I'm awkward. We're going to go backwards on that a little bit. I had to look up names of apps. Uh, for relationships, Tinder, these are real app, app. I feel that the the spirit of app deletion coming over the room uh, right now. I don't know why. Uh, Tinder, coffee meets bagel. <laughs> no clue. Uh, friends with benefits. How about we? How about we what? Uh, Bumble, Happen, Hinge, Match, <laughs> okay Cupid down like like these we, we've created an entire ecosystem to have a relationship now without the work it is said that millennials will pay up to 40 percent more for a product if they can have it sooner if they can have it quicker because we want it now we want it instant the the crown jewel of social media today like the moment everyone lives for is what? Going viral. If I can create something that like a million people could see, like that, that's like considered the epitome. Everyone's kind of on the hunt for the next, the next post, the next video, the next reel, like the next thing that's going to go viral. You know what that means? It means I want to go from here to there without any work in between. I want it now. 
But I want to argue for us for just a minute this morning. That's not how the kingdom of God works. I just want to argue for just a minute. If you want to see what God is doing in your life, if you want to be found faithful to God with what he's given you to do for his kingdom and for his purpose, we need to know how the kingdom works. Because the kingdom, while it is the most viral thing that has ever graced the earth, the kingdom of God works completely different. And I want to take us to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Jesus here is teaching in parables. It is, it is said that Jesus taught in parables in order to reveal to us things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus taught in parables to reveal something to us. How many of you know we're the most privileged people who have ever walked the face of the planet, we know Jesus. We have a leg up on the prophets of the Old Testament. We have a leg up on the righteous men and women of the Old Testament. They had an inkling of the kingdom. They, they could sense the kingdom, but we have now the kingdom revealed. We have the word. We know Jesus. And so we look at parables to peel back to reveal, to see how does the kingdom of God work. So let's go there this morning. Matthew 13, verse 31, it says this. He told them another parable. He wanted to reveal something to them. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. You know, part of the discipline of Scripture and understanding scripture, scripture cannot mean to us, by the way, what it did not mean to its original hearers. We, we have to get back to this in the church right now. We have to get back to original intent and original meaning. The worst question you could ask somebody, especially in our postmodern culture today, the worst question you could ask somebody is, what does scripture mean to you? Don't ever ask somebody that. Ask them this question, what did it mean to the people it was communicated to first, and how do we apply that to our lives? We need to get back to some biblical faithfulness rather than just interpreting Scripture however we, that's just for free but this morning, by the way, but I think we need to get back to some things in the church right now. <laughs> and it's really difficult because so many of the parables are agricultural. And communicating agricultural principles in an app-based world is very interesting. So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds come at and perch in its branches. This is an incredible parable here that Jesus is teaching that speaks to the idea that God's work may appear unimpressive at first, but appearances are deceptive. And God can do something significant with what seems small. God can do something significant with what seems small. If you're looking for a title today, the title of this message is The Significance of Small. The significance of small. Lindsay and I, in the summer of 2019, we had the opportunity to go to Israel. Uh, incredible experience. And um, uh, one of the days we were up in the Galilee region, which is Israel's equivalent of rural area. Of course, by the Sea of Galilee. And um, we were up in that area, and I was so excited because on that day, our tour called for a stop in Capernaum. Now, if you know Capernaum, you know Capernaum is a city that is incredibly biblically significant. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We sing that at Christmas. Uh, he was raised as a boy in Nazareth, but Capernaum was considered his ministry headquarters. Capernaum was actually called Jesus' town, Jesus' city. 75% uh, of his recorded miracles happened in Capernaum. Sermon on the Mount, just up the hill from Capernaum. Five of the disciples called on the seashores right in Capernaum where I got to stand. So this incredibly 
rich and significant site that we hang so much of our faith on. I was so excited to go. Excited to see it. We walked in the first century gates of Capernaum to see the city, and I was absolutely overwhelmed, but not in the way you'd expect it. I was overwhelmed by how small it was. Capernaum's tiny, y'all. Like, by the way, what a miracle God has given this church, this property, this building. You own a Wells Fargo. Like, like it's, it's like the property goes way back. Like, I don't know, anybody else? That, anyways, um, just incredible. Do you know your church property is, like, bigger than Capernaum? You know that? It's true. My, our, our primary, our broadcast location of our church, we have four locations, our it's, it's bigger. Capernaum's a tiny city, like a few dozen homes, um, one little synagogue, one little beachfront, and yet 75% of Jesus' recorded miracles happen in this city. I was, honestly, I was disappointed. <laughs> I was like, this is it. <laughs> this, is, this is Capernaum. Like every time we circle back here in Scripture, we're, we're back here again, you know. I'll just be honest, that was kind of the impression I had until the tour guide gave us perspective. Tour guide said, you might notice how small Capernaum is. He said, but the whole point of Capernaum is not about its size. The whole point of Capernaum is that Capernaum was strategic. Capernaum, while it was small, Capernaum was situated on one of only two trade routes in the entire Middle East at the time that connected the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdom, Egypt. In other words, travelers and all trade in the Middle East in their day had to go through one of two trade routes, one being right through Capernaum. And because it was rural, because it was remote, guess what? People had to stay the night. People had to lodge there. This is why it says that news of Jesus spread far and wide. Why is that? It was perfectly situated to get the word out. It was perfectly situated to see the miracle power of Jesus spread far and wide. All out of something small. I wonder if we miss the Capernaum moments in our life. Because we don't see them. Because we're underwhelmed by them. Because they seem small. Because they seem insignificant. I guess I came here to tell somebody who feels like you're in a small season. You feel like your business feels small. You feel like your ministry feels small. You feel like I'm the, I, I teach, you know, preschool once a month back in the kids' classroom. Knows, no one knows where I'm at. I'm the third string guitar player. I get up here once a quarter, you know, whatever it is. Whatever you think is small, guess what? The kingdom calls it significant. Because in the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like, a mustard seed. We just prayed over educators a few minutes ago. God bless you, by the way, for what you do. Maybe more important than ever, what you do. But I want you to think about it. For the next nine months, you're going to have students in your class. You have no idea who is going to sit in your classroom this year. You have no idea what the, the fingerprints of your faith the, the, the biblical values you might be able to covertly instill in them, you know, what, what, whatever it is, you have no idea who's sitting in your class and where they'll go and what they'll do. Your classroom might very well be your Capernaum sitting right on a trade route that everyone in this area has to pass in and out, but they'll go and maybe live for God and maybe be found faithful and you played a part in their faith journey because you saw the significance of your Capernaum, the significance of what you think looks small. In the kingdom of God, what we think is small, our God calls significant. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Do you receive that today? Because I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I constantly feel small. I think I've added up. I might always feel this way. I remember back in the day, you're a Bible school intern. You're cleaning the, you're cleaning the church after hours. You're doing the grunt stuff. Okay, I can call that a small job. I can get around it. But it's like, 21 years later in ministry, and I still feel like some of the, sometimes it's all about the small moments. 
It's all about the small things. I think this is how the kingdom of God actually works. I don't know that we're supposed to ever feel like we graduate into some viral successful and we would, that, that we would lose sight of what is seemingly insignificant, but the seeds of the kingdom lie in what is small. I mean, think about the early church. The early church, Acts chapter 2, if you want to go there, we're going to read for a minute, but the early church easily, easily the single most viral moment in Scripture. The, the single most viral thing that's ever happened on planet Earth. Acts chapter 2, you have a few believers gathered in a room. They're gathered, it's believed, in the upper room. They're there because Jesus told them to stay there. They're there simply because they're obedient, and they're probably a little afraid for their life. They have defied religious tradition. They have broken laws. Like, they are kind of this little band of rebels, and Jesus said, hang on, stay here until I send the Holy Spirit. In fact, the promise over their life was you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know the story, to the ends of the earth. But here they were huddled in this small room, the upper room, just up the hill from the temple. And it says this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came in from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came uh, to rest on each of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is an incredible moment. Absolutely incredible. The Holy Spirit is poured out and the church is born. Like we're sitting in church this morning, we can trace what we're doing all the way back to this day. These first few believers gathered in a room who were faithful, faithful to their assignment, faithful to wait for the Holy Spirit. But it didn't stop there. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what was their first act? What did they do? Did they continue to hide? Remember, their lives are at risk. Did they continue to seek shelter? No. What did they do? They immediately leave the home and run to the busiest place in town the southern steps of the temple. Why do we know that? Well, what we know is we know that this was the Feast of Pentecost. We know that Jews from all over the world had gathered in Jerusalem. Guys, how strategic is our God? How strategic in our God that he poured out his spirit on the very day when the eyes of the Jewish tradition were on Jerusalem, where, where Jews from every nation in the known world at the time would have been gathered there? And guess what? They were entering the temple to worship because it tells us it was 9 a.m. Because remember, they were drunk. They were, we know it was worship time. We know it was time to enter the temple, and they would have entered the temple through the southern steps. That was their tradition. And what did this group of believers do? They ran straight to the southern steps of the temple. They ran straight to the place where people were preparing to worship. And Peter stands up. He preaches Jesus, and he gives birth to the church. On this day, Eden is reversed. God has now dwelt with man again. On this day, Babel is reversed. What language divided for us, God has now brought together, and they were able to communicate for the first time in their lives. We're able to communicate with people from other cultures. Eden's reversed, Babel's reversed, and the church is born. A, a, an echo, a viral moment we are still living in today. An incredible moment, but, and, and it says this, it says 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's big, right? But it's not what you think. This wasn't 3,000 people that, like, joined the first church of Jerusalem of Jesus Christ or something like that. This is 3,000 people who represented probably every nation of the known world who would then, like seed, maybe you'd call it mustard seed, like seeds scattered in a garden a few days later would scatter and return to their nations, but this time with a whole new confession of faith, this time with a whole new deposit of the Holy Spirit, a whole new name written over their lives. Don't you tell me our God can't do something significant with that which seems small. Out of one room, 
came a garden of a mustard seed plant of which we still live in today. Because in the kingdom of God, what we consider small, our God considers significant. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I remember five or six years ago, Lindsay and I, we had been on the road helping churches like what has been mentioned earlier for a few years at this time. And we had stepped out to launch Leading Second, and we, we felt so called of God to do it. It had absolutely disrupted our lives. It was not easy. This was, don't ever ask to be used by God if you're not ready for some inconvenience. <laughs> like, it preaches good later. <laughs> later. Um, but in the moment, it's heavy. In the moment, it, it's sacrifice. And we had added up, we needed to raise about $100,000 to launch this ministry. We didn't have it. Um, we didn't have a fraction of it. We had to raise it. We were believing God for it. Believing God in faith that God was going to send just the right ministries, the right people, business leaders possibly to stand with us. I want you to rewind with me. A few years before, I had met a pastor um, at our church's conference. It's called Team Church Conference. We just had it again last week or so. I had met a conference years ago, or met a pastor at this conference years ago. In a very haphazard way, we were walking down the hallway. I was just on staff at the church, and I bumped into him. It's dinner break, you know. It's 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 the afternoon break before church that night. I didn't have anything to do. He didn't have anything to do. I sat and encouraged him for a minute, and I just said, "Hey, do you want to grab dinner?" We went. And we had dinner. It was great. It was awesome. We went our separate ways, and I didn't, I didn't talk to him again for years. Minimal connection. It, he, he was a, a number in my cell phone was where we were at. Fast forward to this season where we're launching our ministry. We're praying. We're believing God. Well, one day I'm driving down the road. I'll never forget it. I'm driving down the road, and my phone rings, and it's his name. I haven't talked to him in years since that day we had dinner. My phone rings, I answer it, and we're, we're talking, we're catching up, and he goes, I got to be honest with you. He's like, I cannot get you off my mind. He's like, God is bothering me <laughs> about you and your ministry. He's like, I just feel like you're supposed to come to our church. I feel like we're supposed to do something. Will you just come minister? I said, sure, great. We found a date that works. worked a few weeks later. I went. It was a great weekend of ministry, but at the very end of the weekend, he said this to me. He said, our ministry has an anointing on it, has a grace on it to help launch ministries. He's like, I feel called in the kingdom. I've helped plant churches, he said. I feel called to come alongside ministries. And I shared with him where we were at and what we were believing God for. And over the next few months, he would proceed to fund over half of our launch for our ministry. Just, just like manna in the desert. You know, an, an absolute answer to prayer. He was there on our launch night. We were still a little bit short. He came up to me and he said, how are you? And I said, I'm this much short. <laughs> he said, you'll have it by Friday. And God just used this couple, this church that was, that was blessed with, with an anointing, with a grace on it. He blessed them to help us launch something for the kingdom. I tell you that to say this. I asked him a, a while later. I said, why did you do it? It was so significant. I said, why did you do it? You didn't have to. And you know what he said to me? He said this, you were kind to me one day. He's like, you didn't even know I, I needed encouragement, some, and, and you encouraged me. Think about that. One conversation in a hallway. One moment. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And you have no idea what we consider small, our God considers significant. And thank God I didn't blow off that guy standing in the hallway. Thank God I wasn't so busy doing kingdom work that I missed a kingdom moment. <laughs> I say that to say this. You're a growing church. You got people moving into this place like crazy, y'all. Got a whole bunch of West Coast refugees in the house, I, I sense, you know. Let me say this, you have no idea who is going to walk through those doors today, next Sunday. You have no idea the assignment from heaven over this house, over life. You, 
There was one Sunday. Is it cool? Can I just tell stories today? This is what I wanted to do. Just build, build your faith. There was one Sunday. I was speaking at a church in West Virginia. I never do this. Um, but I, I, was, I was doing a message. Um, honestly, this moment had nothing to do with the message. But at the very end in the altar call, I felt so strongly there was someone in the room who was contemplating suicide. And I said it. And I never do that. But I said it. I said, someone in this room, God just has this word for you. And I offered some words. And the whole time, there's a guy, you know, sitting right over here just staring at me. Like staring into my soul. And I, I just knew it was him. It was, it was like a spotlight from heaven was just on him. And I dismissed the service, and people are leaving, and he's just standing there. And so I, I went like this to him. He came up, and not only was that him, um, but I want to say like five family members of his recently had committed suicide. There was just, there was just a demonic work of hell going on in that, in that family. And we prayed with him. We stood against it in the power of Jesus' name. I'm just telling you, you have no idea. It may not be a spotlight from heaven. It might be a moment of encouragement in a hallway. You have no idea the moments that God is setting up. But here's the challenge. Our job isn't to know which moments are significant and which moments are not. That's not our job. Our job is simply to be found faithful with everything God gives us to do, every opportunity God gives us. You might say, the ministry that I've been given feels so small. I say, checkmate. God sees significant what you see small. Just be found faithful. And in a few years, you're going to wake up and you're going to see a line of what God has done. You're going to see a whole bunch of mustard seeds that grew up into the largest plant simply because you were faithful with what somebody else considered to be small. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Do you receive this today? I came with this message today because I felt like someone in the room might be tempted to be overlooking right now what's in your life that you consider small. That's a word for somebody in this house today. There's something in your life that you consider small that our God is asking you to steward. There is something that you're tempted to overlook that has the seeds of the kingdom in it. And you're tempted to overlook it because you're looking for the big. You're looking for the viral. You're looking for significance. And our God's word for you today is significance is found in small. Start small. Be comfortable with small. Envelop your life around small. And trust God with what you believe in him to do in your life. Our God sees significant what we call small. So let me say this, and the worship team can come and play me off like the Oscars today, guys. <laughs> it's all good. But let me say this as we close. I have a couple thoughts for you. Number one, small beginnings are the signature of the kingdom. This is what our God does. Small beginnings are the signature of the kingdom. If our God, our God could have sent a man to save the world, but he sent a child. Because small beginnings are the signature of the kingdom. What you're believing God for will start small. It'll, smart, it'll start, start tiny. It'll look like a seed. You might want a table and chairs, but God's going to send you a tree. Just to do something with what he's given you to do. Small beginnings are the signature of the kingdom. The second thing I came to tell you is that small things can serve a significant purpose. Small things can serve a significant purpose. Don't be so enamored about the instant and the now and the big that you, that you miss the significance of the small. And I think the last thing I came to communicate today is this. It's what we do with what we have that proves our potential to handle more. It's what we do with what we have that proves our potential to handle more. Luke 16 and 10, Jesus' words. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. 
Are you being trustworthy today over what you consider to be little? Because it could just be prelude. It could just be setting you up to be found faithful over the thing you're believing God for. Maybe the greatest thing you'll do for God isn't something you do at all. Maybe the greatest thing you do for God is someone you'll raise. What if your life, like, I'm often enamored by this thought, like, who led Billy Graham to Christ? Because <laughs> Billy Graham wasn't Billy Graham when he came to Christ. Like, who led Pastor Roger, Kim, to Christ? We may not even know their names. But think about it, in the eyes of eternity, how what we consider small, our God considers significant. I'm enamored by that. I've often wondered, what if my life is just prelude for my daughter's life? What if I'm just here to give them a push? What if I'm just here to show them what's possible? What if I'm just here to set them up? What, what, if, what if I'm the pregame? <laughs> what if the game hadn't even started yet? Just think about that. Our oldest daughter, Zane, it's so funny, you guys, we, we mercilessly dragged her around the country. I mean, she was four months old when we started traveling. Like, it, 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 Instagram is really cool. We did our best to make it look really cool. Y'all, it was a mess. Like, we're talking a mound of luggage like this. We would take six-week trips, absolutely zigzagging the country without going home. I'm talking we potty trained on an airplane, y'all. Lindsay put her in timeout on an airplane. I don't know how you put a kid in timeout on an airplane. <laughs> you know, always a mess. The, the getting out the church on the door on Sunday, showing up like we love God when really we're a little fired up at each other. You know, just if you can imagine the inconvenience. The, and for Zane, the nights with that away, hundreds a year. You know, the nights, the nights of inconvenience of, but this summer, she went to her first youth camp. God help us. She went to her first youth camp, and I'm not going to hold her to this, but I'm so proud of this for, for a very specific reason. A, a friend of ours, I wasn't there this night, but a friend of ours shot a picture at a moment where the speaker at the youth camp asked, does anybody in the room feel called to ministry? And my 11-year-old, I have a picture of her with her hand shot, head, you know, high to heaven, you know, her other hand over her heart, and her responding, yes. I wasn't going to ask her about it. I just wanted to let God do what he was going to do over that moment, you know. So she got home and I said, hey, how was camp? First words out of her mouth. She goes, well, she goes, I think I know what I want to do with my life. And I said, what do you want to do? She said, I feel called into ministry. And I said, well, you've, <laughs> I said, you've said that about a lot of things. <laughs> you want to be a doctor? You know, you wanted to bake cakes. I don't know. There's been a million, you know. You know what she said? She goes, I just can't picture myself doing anything else. Now, again, she's 11. A lot, lot of time to go still. She's not going to receive pressure from us. But I just thought the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The seeds were planted in all those days of inconvenience. Potty training on that airplane. You know what was happening? It was the seeds of the kingdom you know, in a little girl's heart. And I just wonder what seems small to you today. I just wonder what feels insignificant to you. And I wonder if you have eyes to see what God's actually doing. You won't know for quite a while. Our job is just to be found faithful. Jesus, faithful over everything you've given me to do. Jesus, you know, I'll, I'll speak to a room of 10,000, but I'll speak to a room of 10. Jesus, may this room... May this church, Jesus, be so kingdom-minded and so heaven-minded, Lord. May we be the kind of church that is found faithful. 
faithful over the small, faithful over what we think is insignificant, faithful over the moments we would be tempted to overlook. Jesus, would, would you find us faithful over those things today? May we see kingdom significance in what we consider small. Jesus, so that you can do what only you can do, so that you can raise up in this church, Jesus, the kind of church that is salt of the earth, that is the light of the world, a, a, a church, Father, that stands for truth amidst the lies. Jesus, would you raise up this house for such a time as this. But we commit, well, the days might feel small, well, the city might feel small, well, the conversation might feel small, well, the ministry opportunity might feel small. We just commit all over this room. We're going to be faithful with small because we trust that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And what we consider small, you consider significant in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you receive the word today over your heart, over your life? In fact, would you do me a favor? Would you stand up to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No one leaving if you could. I wonder today if there's, um, who, who this message is landing with. I pray you're all encouraged, but don't you think that sometimes in church, like the message is, like there's days where it's for you. You know, there's days where like, okay, that, like I'm facing that today. I just wonder who in the room, like this, this moment is for you. That, that you're facing something that you feel small or you've been tempted to overlook. Would you, as, as you've seen, would you just lift up your hands if that's you? Father, I thank you today for every story, every hand raised. Jesus, I thank you, you know their story because you're writing it. Your word says you're the author and you're the finisher of our faith. And so I thank you, Jesus, that what you begin, you finish. I thank you, Jesus, that what you start, you provide for. That what you begin, Father, you end. And I ask, Father, that you would do it. I ask, Jesus, that you would show yourself faithful over every story, every, every hand raised. Father, I pray you'd give businessmen and businesswomen eyes to see the small opportunities. I pray you'd give us all in ministry the eyes to see the small opportunities, the small moments, the small conversations, the small words of encouragement. Give us eyes to see it, Lord. Let us live and let us minister through the eyes of the kingdom, through eyes of faith. Lord, that this would be a house found faithful. So I pray today, give them eyes to see. I believe that was the mandate for today, Lord. Give them eyes to see. May they see it, the significance of the small. And may we be found faithful in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing with every head bowed, every eye closed, every, every person in prayer for just a minute. Last question I want to ask today is, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Are you actively following Jesus? I wonder today if you know him. Maybe you're here today and you've never been extended the opportunity to follow Jesus. Friend, let me tell you, God loves you. Our God in heaven, he sent Jesus for you. He sent Jesus for me. We were dead in our sin. But Jesus came and he hung on a cross and he died and he rose again to give you a new life. Friend, that promise is for you today. Maybe you're here and if you'd be honest, maybe you're here, maybe you know exactly what I'm doing right now. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe you've grown up in church like me, but if you'd be honest, you're away from God in your heart. You're backslidden, you're cold in your heart toward him today. And as I'm talking, you feel God drawing you home. You feel God calling you home back to relationship with him. Friend, our God is not mad at you. He misses you. He wants you home. He wants you well. He wants you in the house. He wants you with his people. Sometimes all we have to do is just respond in faith and say, Jesus, I'm yours. And so if I'm talking to you today, you'll know who you are. That's the Spirit of God drawing you. I'm talking to you today, and you know who you are with every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, every believer, be actively praying right now. This is a holy moment for somebody, a life-saving moment for somebody today. And if you're here today and you say, Brandon, you have my number. God has my number right now. I need today to be that day. 
I need today to be the day where Jesus is enthroned as king in my life, where he's my Lord, where he's my savior. If that's you on the count of three, would you do me a favor? Would you boldly raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out, but I do wanna know who I'm talking to today. On the count of three, if that's you, why don't you lift your hand? One, two, three. Let me see who you are and give me a chance. Good, God bless you, God bless you. Fantastic, anyone else? Hands up in pretty much every section today. If that's you, just boldly raise your hand. Let me see who you are and give me a chance. I wanna pray with you today. Good, God bless you. God bless you, anyone else today? Our lives move forward in moments of decision like this. Our faith moves forward in moments like decision, moments of decision like this. Okay, with your hands raised, held high, you are among friends. You are among family today. With your hands raised, church, let's all say this together. Can we support our brothers and sisters that have their hands raised right now? Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm standing here today because I want to say I'm sorry for living life my own way. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is alive. Jesus died for my sins. And Jesus rose again. And from this day forward, the confession of Jesus will be on my mouth. I am a Christ follower. I am a new creation today because of Jesus, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. Amen. Come on. Can we give it up, Celebration Church? Come on. Somebody just crossed from death to life today on a confession of faith. Hey, I'm going to turn the service over. If, again, no one leaving. We still got some things to do today, but um, it's, been, it's been my honor to be here today. Um, if you're new here, you're kicking the tires. Like, what's this thing all about? Can I just say this is a good place to plant your life and your family. This is a good house. Like, welcome home. We're so glad you're here. Like, keep coming. Stay faithful. And, and Celebration Church, let's, let's run strong for the kingdom. Let's stay faithful. Our world, this city, has never needed a life-giving, truth-speaking church more than it needs it right now. Will you stay faithful? Will you give? Will you build? Will you serve? Will you do everything you can to move the church forward? I believe we've only begun to see what God is going to do in Nampa and in this region for the glory of the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Let's believe for God to do it in Jesus' name. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.